Welcome to the Basic Income Podcast. I'm Owen Poindexter. And I'm Jim Pugh. Now, those of you who have been listening for a while know that we've talked a few times about the Basic Income Pilot that's happening right now in Ontario. In fact, we had Senator Art Eggleton on talking about his perspective on the pilot and what's happening with basic income in Canada on the federal level. But we thought it would be interesting to delve a little bit more into what's actually going on locally in Canada and specifically in Ontario. So we have a city councillor from Guelph, Ontario, uh, here to chat with us about that. Uh, Please welcome to the show, Mark McKinnon. Uh, Thanks very much. I appreciate uh, you having me on today. Great. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your role as city councillor and what kind of services you provide? Sure, that's a great question. So things that people may see on television reflects a lot of the more American setup for municipal politics, where it's a little bit different in in Canada and in Ontario specifically. The amount of power or individual authority that an, that an individual municipal councillor or mayor has in, in Ontario is a lot less than what you might see in, in pop culture. So I'm part of uh, city council where there's 13 of us total, 12 ward councillors that each are part of a city. And then there's the mayor himself. So we make up a total of 13 and no one can enact any policies or direct staff in any way unless we have the entirety of council or at least the majority of council voting to move towards uh, doing something. And so I'm one voice out of 13 that enacts, pa- enacts policy that's hopefully great for the the entire city and all the residents in Guelph. And can you tell us, how did you first hear about basic income and what about the idea made you interested and and drew you to it? Yeah, it's a little bit of a a roundabout way that I came to investigate into UBI. It all started several years back where I was doing a lot of YouTube watching and I came across this video of someone named Larry Stewart who was – Secret Santa at the time. It's someone that made a lot of news in the States about this individual who was secret and he'd go around and give $100 bills to people at Christmas time and they would have news reporters following them around and and watching the reactions and, and getting some feedback. And the idea that what Larry had done this for more than 20 years was giving out money to people that was not means tested. And he had the idea that the dignity that comes from a non-means-tested way of of getting cash into the hands of people that need it was very significant. And and watching these videos, seeing the impact of what just $100 in cash would do to someone, I I guess I I wouldn't call myself uh, overly privileged, but I I never had wants either growing up. It It was always pretty good for me. And so to see what the tears that would come to someone's eyes from $100 and they'd say that that saved Christmas for their family and now they could buy Christmas presents with such a, a small amount. And I realize that there's real power in cash and there's real power in in dignity and something that's not a mean-tested system like uh, the, the standard welfare system that we have here in Ontario or presumably the states as well. And when I started digging deeper into that about what could cash do and and the idea of giving people money. What would that do for people? Uh, you know, video after video and article after article eventually led to this concept of, of unconditional basic income that I had not encountered before. And as soon as I started reading it, I realized that's exactly what I think is, is the solution to poverty issues and to dignity issues and to mental health and physical health. I mean, it can solve or at least have a significant factor on so many issues. So it's a bit of a roundabout way how I came to it, but a lot of it was just discovering what maybe other people already knew, but I didn't because of my upbringing or because of my culture that I came across something. And I'm, I'm very thankful for why 
watching videos online. <laughs> yeah, I think we all are. And just to dig into that a little bit more, what is it about basic income as opposed to something more targeted or means tested that you, you think is, you know, has that power? The mean testing really has some problems because what it doesn't do is it doesn't get to everyone's individual circumstances. So on paper, someone may not qualify for a particular size type of assistance. And yet in reality, they're, they're in need of that. Think of the, you know, the, the working poor is how oft, often referred to, where there might be people that have full-time jobs, but they don't have the means to do what they need to do, where someone who might be slightly below a certain level might maybe doesn't have the job or maybe has a different situation. Suddenly they can qualify for certain resources where a different person does it. And yet the need might be fairly similar. And that's very surprising to me. And, and the, the problem with means testing is it does hit to the heart of dignity to have to prove to someone that you're poor, to have to prove someone that, yes, I've been out looking for a job where no one wants to to live in a situation that is difficult for them. No one wants to be on the lower end of, of income or the lower end of services. And yet we have systems because of the fairness idea. We want to be fair and we don't want to just give things to people without them really being needy of it. We have this system which I think degrades the, the dignity of humanity by requiring them to to have – qualifications for this. And so when it comes to means testing, it's, it sounds like a great idea. You give it to people that have a need, but the difficulty is determining what that need is. Um, you also look at what the need is often determined, say, by income, but it doesn't consider debt. And so someone may be making a certain amount of money with a job, but based on previous life experiences, maybe they're they're just drowning in debt. And if you make a thousand a month or a thousand a week or whatever the value is, it might sound pretty good. But if you're paying that out in debt uh, payments, then, then really, are you any further ahead that someone's only making 200 but has no debt? So to me, I think means testing, while I understand why it has value and politically, it's certainly uh, easy to tell people that you're not going to give something to someone unless they need it. I, I don't think it really solves its purpose the way a universal, unconditional basic income would. Right. The unconditional aspect really is a statement of trust saying, we believe you actually are going to figure things out, live responsibly, and then that actually may have an impact on, on what people do with it. Yeah, that, that's precisely it. And and something that a lot of the people that you've, the guests that you've had on your podcast have mentioned over and over again, that people are best at determining what they need rather than us saying, um, well, here's food stamps. So you can go buy food with this. Well, maybe someone has a, a different nutritional needs or values than someone else, but maybe they need something else. Maybe they need a cell phone. Maybe they need decent clothes to apply for a job application. So for them, for any, any government organization to say, well, we are going to make your decisions for you, what you need, as opposed to letting the individual decide, I really don't think that that's the, the best way forward. Can you tell us a little bit more, if basic income were to be enacted, how do you see that changing the way cities operate, the way life existed in, in that environment? It's a really great question because when most people talk about UBI, of course, they there's not a lot of discussion on the impacts and effect of municipalities and the operations. A lot of things are at the, the state or the federal level, but municipalities, we 
do more on a day-to-day basis for someone's everyday living than than almost any other form of government. It might not reach to the same levels of of importance of a human rights issue, for example, or a healthcare issue. But municipalities, you know, whether it's picking up your your garbage or dealing with sidewalk maintenance or transit and whatnot, we deal with a lot of things on that front. And like all aspects of, of government. As politicians, we have pressures from our constituents about taxation. No one wants to be overtaxed or feel they're being overtaxed. The advantage that a UBI would have, if there was more money in the system, if the residents of Guelph, for example, all had a certain amount of money given to them as part of the UBI, then that might relieve some of the political pressure that council would have, whether it's in Guelph or somewhere else, to enact policies that are good for the residents, but may be difficult to to sell because of the cost. Uh, I'll go to one example that I that I really love working with and that's transit. You know, every system uh, or every city has a transit system and and Guelph has a has a great system, but it doesn't suit everyone and I know we can do more with it. The idea of a transit system that is universal and perhaps doesn't is is free to residents because it's funded through taxation right now like most cities we charge uh, a certain amount to ride the bus and then the government through a general tax base funds the rest of the cost so we might have a three dollars the the cost for a uh, riding the bus where in reality it's actually closer to eight dollars as you look at the cost and so we fund it with additional five of general tax revenues so i've done some calculations off the side of my desk and i believe that we could probably do something like a like a fourfold increase or improvement in transit. So we run double the number of routes and we run it twice as often and it's free for everyone. Doesn't There's no means testing again. Anyone can just get on the bus and move around. Well, the cost of that would be roughly about $800 to $1,000 per household extra in property taxes per year, which, which is substantial. Uh, it's not a small amount of money. But if people were getting an extra five, 10, 20,000 a year coming in through a UBI, then it does alleviate the pressures of a little bit of municipal councils to say, well, this is a really good idea, but if we remove a little bit of the pressure that we have, we can enact these policies that are great for everyone. Because if we can provide, as an example, better transit, like a, a free transit citywide, there's huge economic and social benefits that uh, are associated with enabling the movement of residents around a city. And the secondary benefits of something like uh, a better transit system, we could reduce or delay costly inter infrastructure related to vehicles, for example, parking garages, road maintenance or whatnot. Uh, an example that we like to talk about in Guelph here is we've had extremely strong um, efforts in conservation for water. And because of that, we've even though our population has grown substantially over the past 10 years, we've actually reduced the overall water consumption. And because of that, we've saved over $40 million over that 10-year period on infrastructure-related costs, whether it's building new water treatment plants or dealing with stormwater runoff or uh, related issues like that. And so the amount of money we've managed to save through conservation – I can bring an analogy out towards a service like transit, that if we can improve transit and get more people riding a transit system because of UBI allows council to do that, then what we're doing is saving on the cost of roads, saving on the cost of parking garages and whatnot. And I think there could be a long-term benefit to everyone. So it's a better service and there's a cost savings at the same time. But it's really difficult for any councillor to to stand up and say they want to raise taxes by $800 or $1,000 per household uh, to have a service that that right now people pay with a user fee. And it's really interesting to hear how things would be different politically, that some things would be more politically possible if we had a UBI. And so kind of along those lines, 
basic income studies in Canada and around the world have shown a lot of positive effects on crime stats, on healthcare, and any number of measures. What excites you most about how things could change if, say, everyone in Guelph had a basic income? Yeah, that's a great question because the the economic value that would come from something of like that would be huge. As we know, people, if they're given money, you're going to either spend it or you're going to save it. And those, those are the two big things you're going to do with it. There's really not a lot of other options that you're going to have. And so a lot of people, if they, if they had a little bit more money, they would be investing it back into their communities. Uh, they'd be perhaps buying better food, better groceries. Uh, they would be taking advantage of the, the cultural opportunities that a city provides. And at the same time, they're going, we're going to be saving on issues like uh, the police budget, for example, because we, we know that poverty is directly related to, to income. Uh, and that leads to the, the need for policing services because whenever income is low, crime is a little bit higher. And, we, and, and that's, that's a well-known. We, we have a 17% of our municipal budget is for policing. So how would that be impacted if we had a UPI? Would this allow us to adjust our police budget? Or similarly with um, the on the flip side, you look at, at consumption would potentially increase with a UBI, which is great if people are eating healthier foods or they're buying things that their family needs, whether it's new clothes uh, or uh, other things for children. If consumption increases, how does that affect solid waste collection in Guelph, recycling, composting? How does it affect the city services at community centers like swimming lessons or sports? I mean, it'd be great if more uh, children are raised up uh, out of poverty and could take those swimming lessons that the family has that little bit of extra money, uh, both for safety and uh, health reasons as well. And so that's going to have an impact on the municipality as well. And so there's so many factors that uh, a municipal government has to consider with a UBI. Personally, what I'm most interested in is just the the, the dignity and the, the well-being that would give to people that when you see uh, people who don't have the money to get the food that they want. They, they're going to a food bank or because of their job situation that they can't afford to take time off to to go see a doctor for a preventative medicine and instead are using emergency services uh, at the end, going to uh, the emergency at the hospital instead of going to see their family doctor. And the costs of that are going to be higher as well. The value that the basic income would give to the residents of Guelph if everyone had just that that little bit more. And some people would have a lot more, you know, percentage-wise because they're on the lower income. And some people would have maybe effectively have a negative. They're at the highest end of the income scale and they have to contribute a little bit more in their in their taxes to help fund perhaps a UBI. But the amount of money circulating within Guelph, I think, would really benefit the, the small business community, would benefit our downtown core, it would benefit the, the health of children, uh, and the dignity that we can give to people who need services, need help, but now don't have to do the standing in line, don't have to fill out the forms, don't have to prove that they have a need. Uh, I think the as great as Guelph is, and we have a, a great community here, and it's well regarded, I think the residents would really rise up to something that would, if we had a UPI, and I think everyone could benefit from that. Yeah, that's really inspiring vision of, of where things might go. So now city councilor is not the only thing you do. You also run a game store, correct? Yeah, that's, that's correct. I have a, a board game cafe so in a downtown core of Guelph. So people come in and they, they, they pay a cover charge and they get to play board games. We'll show them how to play. We make connections to these people and then they can get food and drink as well. So that's something that I, I feel was important as a downtown business owner to understand uh, and a better role for a city councilor is understanding what the, the downtown businesses feel. So that's that's one of the other roles I play as well. Because in Guelph, being a city councilor is not a full-time job. It's, it's a smaller city. And so we don't have a full-time employment for city council. 
So in your experiences there, I'm curious to get your perspective as a small business owner yourself, what impact do you see basic income potentially having in that space within wealth? Yeah, something that would be would be huge as a as a income owner or as a business owner. And it's not that you know, one of the reasons I think UBI is good because uh, I have a business that could benefit from it. That's, you know, I, I ended up wanting to be have UBI before I, I had the cafe business. But one of the things we'd see is we, we know entertainment has incredible value for people. It helps them deal with, with the stresses of life and it helps them make connections with other people. But certainly if everyone had uh, a little bit of extra income to put into the community. We know that that does go right back to the small business owners uh, and and the large business owners as well. Certainly, if you're a car manufacturer and you're one of the big three or five, then people would be buying potentially buying cars more often, and so you'd benefit as well. But we know that the smaller boutique shops, if right now some of the things may be uh, for a family that doesn't have a lot of money, they may be looking at their core essential needs. Uh, maybe they're not getting a lot of cultural exposure because some of the going out to a, a nighttime event, whether it's a, a jazz festival or, or or board game cafe or something else. Maybe they, they don't have the time or the money. They can't afford a babysitter. And so if they had that income, a lot of people would be putting it back into their, their life and, and having a level of enjoyment and certainly not living extravagantly. But that little bit of extra just allows them to participate fully in the community. And as a small business owner, I know and others would benefit as well from having that, that money in circulation. And, and in return, of course, if a small business had more customers, then they have more income and then they could hire more people. And so although we're, we're not looking at UBI as related to jobs, perhaps, that they, they can be disconnected because it's not means tested, I believe that the amount of employment has the potential of going up in certain sectors because of UBI, because of that money being circulated within a community and jobs will be created because of that. Over here, we're very excited about the basic income experiment that just began in Ontario. Can you give us a sense of how people are responding you know, over where you are in Ontario. Sure. So it's obviously when when they were going to start it up, there was a, a lot of discussion and interest, and it was very quickly determined with them when they chose certain pilot locations, Guelph would would not be appropriate for an income pilot like that. I mean, we do have a, a fairly uh, higher income and higher educated population, perhaps and they're they're related there. So they it wasn't chosen as one of the areas. They chose the Hamilton area and the Thunder Bay area and Lindsay area uh, for the pilot. So Guelph was not chosen. But that said, a lot of the people in Guelph uh, are interested in what's happening on the UBI front. And I've been reading some articles on it. I'm excited that it's that it's underway. And and while it might not you know hit all the buttons that I'd be looking for, I think the fact that we're doing something on a test is is wonderful. The uptake so far has been, from everything I've read in the news is a little bit slower than perhaps they were expecting. They were looking at about uh, 4,000 people involving in the test, and I believe it's up to it's just over 400 uh, have signed up and are in the system so far. But of course, it's just at the beginning. Uh, there will be a higher uptake as time goes on. And uh, I'm confident it's going to be a, a great pilot project to have in Ontario, even though the, the start might be a little bit rockier and, then, and uh, n maybe not as quick as they were expecting. But I think that a lot of really good things are coming from it. I'm, I'm super excited that you know, my home province is going to be one of the ones on the forefront internationally, that people are going to be looking at this the way they look at uh, the other important models, whether it's in, in India or, or in some of the... Uh, the northern european countries as well so i'm really excited to, to see what the results are over this three-year pilot project all right well mark that was all the questions we had is there anything else you'd like to add 
Well, I think the, you know, from a, a municipal councillor, and a lot of my perspectives are going to be from that, uh, I think one of the things that I encourage people to think about when when it comes to UBI is, yeah, it, it does go beyond the the larger levels of government as well, whether it's regulatory changes uh, because of the peer economy, as, as UBI would allow people to work more inside a peer economy, whether it's driving a vehicle or opening up their house for guests to come in. I mean, suddenly we have regulatory and zoning changes that the city has to consider. Uh, there are collective Bargaining, bargaining issues with unions that we'd have to consider. And I was listening to your your guest, Andy Stern, um, about the changing role that unions have uh, under UBI. And so as a highly municip- unionized municipality that Guelph is, um, what are municipalities going to have to do to address the changes in the collective bargaining processes if UBI was to come forward? And so although the, the municipal government here, we don't have any direct say in UBI, there's going to be a lot of effects that every city and town would have to face, whether it's transit or the regulatory changes, zoning changes. And I think all of this consideration is something that I'd encourage people to at least consider because there is a bigger impact than than just on the federal or, or provincial state level. And it's something that I'm excited to, to be a part of. And I'm hoping that in a not too distant future down the road, we're going to see some really substantial movements in Ontario and Canada on um, on universal basic income. That was Mark McKinnon, City Councillor on Guelph, Ontario, on the Basic Income Podcast. So usually when we think about the effect of basic income, we are very much looking at the federal level. What would this do for people across the country? And obviously, those people live in towns and cities, but I thought a lot of Mark's points about recognizing the specific dynamics at play at the city level was really, really important. And it's something I haven't heard many people actually thinking through. But if we're actually going to be at a place where we enact basic income at some point, that is definitely something that we need to be considering. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I think because we have a federal lens most of the time, we think in these broad terms in terms like healthcare, crime, you know, employment. Uh, but it also matters, you know, like how does it affect trash collection? How does it affect the cafe down the street? Mm-hmm. And having someone who's, you know, those are his concerns right. on a day-to-day level. Um, that really helps bring UBI into a, a crisper focus for me. Yeah, I also found it really fascinating that his view is that if basic income were to be enacted, it might actually make it easier to enact other non-cash-based programs. I think typically those things get put up against each other. It's like, do we want basic income or do we want to give people free transit, to give people Mm -hmm. other services? And his perspective is if we had basic income, a lot of the stuff might actually be easier to achieve. Yeah, and I hadn't thought of that either because it, it does feel like you're choosing one or the other because they're both ultimately government spending. But if you do provide economic security to everyone, if everyone knows that's coming in regardless, then yeah, maybe mm-hmm. they are more willing to have some of the budget go towards something like expanded transit or whatever that city needs. Yeah, exactly. Something else that just stood out to me at the beginning when he was talking about how he first heard about basic income and and seeing those videos of of people being given free cash and and what impact it had on them, it's just yet another reminder of how important storytelling is Mm -hmm. in all of this, that when we we think about basic income, usually our minds go to the numbers and the quantitative effects of everything. If we're actually going to show people how this policy can really change things. It needs to be the stories of people. 
That's yeah. how we do that. Right, yeah. Our brains kind of work in stories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the facts, like, you have to, you know, throw them at yourself a million times before they stick. A, a story you can hear at once, and you'll be able to repeat it back. Right. So. If we're going to counter this image people have of, oh, people will waste it, seeing that family get that little bit of extra money and how much it actually changes their lives, that can combat that misconception so much better than giving them all sorts of numbers about, oh, X percentage of people actually spend it responsibly. All right. Thank you for listening to the Basic Income Podcast. Please tell your friends and your neighbors and help expand this movement. Thank you to our producer, Eric Davidson. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the podcast service of your choice. And we'd really appreciate a rating or review while you're there. Uh, We'd love to know how we're doing. And also, it'll help other people find the podcast. See you next week. 